She's a retired police officer with years of experience investigating sex trafficking, working undercover. She still investigates sex traffickers and brings charges against offenders. She's here to tell her experience and the warning signs we all should be aware of when it comes to sex trafficking. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website. LETRadioShow.com. Contacts from Arizona. We have Heidi Chance on the phone. Heidi is a retired Phoenix police officer. Spent many years, 25 years on the job. And big part of her career was spent working undercover, going and apprehending sex traffickers. And she trains agencies about that. As a matter of fact, she still works in the field. Her website, you want to get more information, is the Chance for awareness.com first of all Heidi thanks for your service very much appreciated and uh, thanks for being a guest on the show that's also very much appreciated thank you I'm happy to be here you're doing a job that no one really likes to talk about and quite often we have very uncomfortable conversations on law enforcement today's show and this is one as a father of two daughters that bothers me and it's not just a female thing it's it's male and female But we're talking about sex trafficking. And a lot of people, in my opinion, my experience is that they like to turn a blind eye to this. They did, oh, it's not in my neighborhood, not happening where I live, not my city. Yeah, that's definitely, unfortunately, a feeling that people have. And there's also obviously myths about what sex trafficking is that people have perceptions that are inaccurate. Well, part of your job, you did 25 years in the Phoenix Police Department. And by the way, she still investigates for another agency, sex traffickers. So she's still very much in the field. Would it be fair to say that you have a a passion for this line of work? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a job that needs to be done. And there needs to be more law enforcement focusing on it. It's not an easy task. Undercover. And by the way, a lot of people have been listening for a while know I've worked Plain clothes, narcotics. I was detailed at DEA. I was not an undercover agent. I'm not an undercover officer. As a matter of fact, when I tried to do undercover work, I was lousy at it. Uh, but I was really good when it came to surveillance and all that sort of stuff. There's a big difference between undercover and plain clothes surveillance people. Yeah, um, definitely a difference, especially when you're in close contact with a suspect. Um, for example, if I was posing as an escort advertised online, and we had a hotel room, and we had sex buyers coming to our hotel room. Um, you know, there's a fine line between I'm a prostitute, this is going to happen, and then don't touch me, you're under arrest. So it's definitely a fine line. When you said don't touch me, you're under arrest, the first thing I thought of, Heidi, i got to be honest with you, is my wife. 
uh, I call her the boss. Her name's Stephanie. And she'll tell people, don't hug me. I mean, everybody loves it. She does not want to be touched by people she doesn't know. As a matter of fact, she wants to be in control. And I, that, I think that's her right. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things as far as being an undercover and being in that situation. You've got sex buyers that are hobbyists that do this all the time. And if I were to be a certain way with them, they would immediately assume I was law enforcement and they would walk out. So it is definitely, you have to be a really good liar. You have to be a good actress and, you know, make that impression right away that I am who I say I am portraying um, to even get to the point where we have a conversation of sex in exchange for money or compensation. Well, you said it liar i like the term actor much better and by the way that's why i was lousy at undercover because i was not good at that Uh, i'm one of these guys i jokingly tell people i could be 85 years old in the old folks home pushing a walker down the hallway and people go shh there's five oh (laughs) oh yeah no i mean when i say good liar i mean be able to think on your feet very quickly especially when i've interacted with actual traffickers they have nothing else going on in their world other than recruiting and grooming and managing new victims. And so when I say I was arrested, I really need to say um, some specifics about it. And so I've had to back up my backstory, so to speak, where I've called, like if I claim that I got arrested in Las Vegas, well, if I can't speak to that, of what the process is, I'll be caught in a lie with the trafficker. And so you really have to be mindful of that they're going to look into everything that you say um, because that's what they do. And I'm sure, and we're going to get into your story a little bit. I'm, I'm sure that this was further in your career and you, you acquired a lot of skill sets, but there had to come a point where we all start, most of us start, I should say, working patrol and then go into the more advanced units. I'm assuming that's the case for you. Yes, yes. I did 10 years in a precinct, and then I became involved with the VICE unit at the time. It's um, now named the Human Exploitation and Trafficking Unit, but it was originally called VICE. And that's where I started doing temporary assignments and shadowing and learning how to pose as a prostitute walking on the street initially and then moving further into um, being advertised online and then even further with conversations with pimps. How did you make the transition from uniform street cop to working plain clothes to working undercover and what we used to call vice that Baltimore used to call vice as well too. I don't know what they call it now because vice doesn't really fairly accurately represent the roles, the investigative roles of what those groups do. Yeah. So the vice unit and I've had other agencies tell me what their vice unit does. And it's a mix between drug enforcement as an undercover and then Uh, kind of what I'm describing as far as prostitution. Um, But definitely the agency I worked for had a specific unit separate um, with the drugs and separate with the prostitution enforcement. How did you make the the transition from a uniform street cop in the district to doing this? Yeah, it's definitely a lot of on-the-job training in the moment of learning it. Um, Doing those temporary assignments really help, and that's what I would encourage officers who are wanting to get out of patrol, learning about other parts of the department and, and other jobs within the department that you can do, um, doing those temporary assignments and, and really doing some, putting some work into seeing if that's really even what you want to be doing. 
Um, but definitely I, I had fallen in love with being an undercover right away. And so it was, it was an on the job situation of learning, but I, I picked it up pretty quick. We've had a, a few different Phoenix police officers on the show. We had Jason Schechter Lee on the show a long time ago. Jason, by the way, uh, you can listen to his a podcast for free. He was almost burned alive in a tremendous car accident. Uh, we had another one. I can't recall his name right away, but he had a partner who was shot and killed uh, as a Phoenix police officer. And uh, it took him years to get over that uh, and compounded with the trauma. And the reason I'm bringing up trauma, and for those who've not heard those issues just check out the law enforcement today radio show podcast uh true crime and trauma stories and you can find them one of the most traumatic things i can think of and personally i had a huge issue with is crimes that involved children crimes that involved underage women and the elderly i found them all to be very very difficult how about you yeah absolutely um that is one of the main focuses of the unit itself now is impacting and rescuing juveniles who find themselves in this situation. A lot of those juveniles are in the child welfare system already or are runaways, outstanding runaways from home. And so they're really at risk just being out on the streets, number one. And then within, you know, they say 48 hours, one in three is solicited by or engaged in a conversation with or attempted recruitment and grooming with a trafficker. It doesn't um, take long. We are talking with yeah. Heidi Chance. She's a retired Phoenix police officer, still investigates sex trafficking, and her a website is a chanceforawareness.com. We return startling investigations she was involved in that might catch a lot of you by surprise. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Be sure to look for and like the Haunting or Not podcast page on Facebook. It's so easy. Just do a search on Facebook for Haunting or Not. You'll find it. We'll have information about past episodes. We'll have information about upcoming episodes. We'll have polls. We'll have contests. We'll have lots of fun things. Find it all for free online. Just be sure to like us on Facebook it's haunting or not. I have some exciting news to share with you. You are going to love my Your Diet Do-Over Do-It-Yourself course on HarmonyWithFood.com, which means you could do everything at your own pace. I put my heart and soul into this course. Have you been on every diet there is only to gain the weight back? If your relationship with food is, well, not that good, you should purchase the Your Diet Do-Over course. Go over to HarmonyWithFood.com, click the Your Diet Do-Over tab, and get started today. Return a conversation with Heidi Chance. She is a retired Phoenix police officer, worked undercover for many years, investigating sex trafficking, sex crimes, and bringing charges against offenders. As a matter of fact, she still works in that field for another investigative agency, and she does training for law enforcement agencies as well. Her website is achanceforawareness.com. Heidi, I'm so glad you're talking about this because many people are reluctant to, and I'm not going to give away trade secrets. I don't... I've been in the law enforcement game so long, I don't even know what they are. But one of the things that a fallacy a lot of people tend to have is, and I say this all the time, 
you're more likely to be violated a victim of crime by someone you know, someone near and dear to you. And it's not the boogeyman. It's not the stranger in the van. We do have to worry about them, but more than likely, it's the babysitter. It's uh, someone else in your family or has access to you as a child in your family. Has that been your experience? Yes. I think there's a new stat out there that says there's 42% of the victims have reported uh, that the person that trafficked them was someone they know. And it could be um, someone in their family. It could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend those kind of things, but someone they know, someone that's spent time getting to know them that they've known for a period of time. Um, so it's definitely a misconception with people out there as far as how that happens. When you say trafficked by someone you know, I, I look, I get and I understand the, I'm not saying I understand it from uh, an emotional point of view, but I understand that there are boyfriends that traffic their girlfriends, supposedly. Uh, what I don't get is when it's a family member. And that I find to be really, really, uh, it upsets my stomach when I think about it. Yeah, I, I definitely have, unfortunately, a lot of cases that I've investigated. One that comes to mind in particular was the biggest case of my career. It lasted five years. It was familial trafficking. It was an uncle trafficking his niece and his uh stepdaughter, and then five other adult females. And it was a situation where he was running a literal brothel out of his house. Men would come to the house to have sex with these women and children. And he was kind of obsessed with this French pornography book and film called The Story of O. And so he had these rules in place where they weren't allowed to wear undergarments. The women, when they sat down, they weren't allowed to cross their legs. It was a lot of things that mimicked this book. And ironically, this case actually went to trial. And so this girl that who had disclosed his niece, she was 20 when we went to trial, 16 when she first talked to the police, 13 when he first defended on her. And she testified against him, her uncle, um, and he was charged with originally 130 counts of sex misconduct with a minor, child sex trafficking, um, sexual assault, all kinds of things that he did to all seven of these victims who actually all showed up to testify. And um, <clears throat> ultimately, it was where he was uh, found guilty and sentenced to 493.5 years, which is, to my knowledge, maybe a record in the United States. The interesting thing about the trial, though, is the book series, Fifty Shades of Grey, and that movie, came out during the trial. And so it was really hard to find a jury who understood the dynamics of what happened to these victims when that was being talked about as, you know, fantasy and, and really promoted in that positive way. And so it was a very unique situation. But ultimately, he was found guilty and sentenced to, you know, almost 500 years. So it ended well. It's just it was a challenge. And I'm sure it was, it was difficult for you in the whole process. You said this took five years. Yeah. So the reason it took five years is because of the amount of victims we were still trying to locate. And at one point, our supervisors literally told us, you guys have to stop, you know, because we could have gone with this for a long time. In addition to that, and this is something the general public doesn't realize, is that the whole process of continuances and delaying the trial is intentional on the side of the defense sometimes when you have victims that 
are in situations where they've fallen to drugs or they've returned to prostitution. And so keeping those seven victims on the straight path with us and still wanting to press charges, you know, was also a challenge during that time. I would say it's more than a challenge. It's like that's a, a miracle that you were able to make that happen. And it didn't happen by not exerting yourself. Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, you know, check in on these victims daily almost to make sure they, you know, didn't overdose and die or didn't get arrested again or all of those things. And, you know, enlisting help from victim advocates and survivor victim advocates is also huge. Um, and that's something we, you know, really rely on when we're trying to get cases to go through this long justice system period that unfortunately it, it exists. And that's a term, Heidi, that it's thrown around quite a bit. And it, that's the technical term, the criminal justice system. I hear a lot of people say justice was served. The truth is, in my opinion, from what I've been through, there really is no justice. It's just, do they get punished? And even still with 500 years, do you ever think that's just not enough? Maybe they should have done more? Well, you know, I definitely think that the main victim who was, like I said, in her 20s when she testified, I spent seven months with her. This trial went on for seven months. She testified 18 days. Um, and I told her, you're the bravest person I've ever met to face your uncle and testify for 18 days against him. But she was still stuck, in my opinion, at the, the date of her rescue, her trauma at that age, at 16. She couldn't hold a job. She didn't know how to drive yet, you know. So uh, definitely what's happened to her is absolutely going to affect her the rest of her life. And how about your life? I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is a, a lot of police work, there's a, a cumulative trauma that we all have our scars. We all have our physical and sometimes mental and emotional scars. I can't imagine doing this line of work, this type of investigation, and not, and not being impacted. Yeah, no, I definitely get upset, and, you know, even when I do training for law enforcement and I replay videos of my interviews I've done with victims and, and I, you know, get back to that moment of, you know, being upset along with them as far as them describing what happened to them and, and really taking all that in. Um, but for me, getting them justice, like, I'm super proud of what I've accomplished in my career and all the all the pimps that I've put away for hundreds of years. That's just one story. Um, and, you know, for me, getting them justice and at least giving them a little bit of peace um, helps my mental health as well. We're going to return to our conversation with Heidi Chance in a few moments. Heidi is a retired Phoenix police officer, did 25 years, spent much of that time working undercover, investigating sex trafficking. And she still works investigating sex trafficking and bringing charges against offenders. She does training for law enforcement agencies. Her website is a chanceforawareness.com. When we return on the Law Enforcement Today show, we're going to talk about sex trafficking that's hidden in plain sight. It's happening in your neighborhood and some of the warning signs you need to be aware of. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Hey folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for 
Law Enforcement Today radio show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click like and follow Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. Return to conversation with Heidi Chance on the Law Enforcement Today show. Heidi is a retired Phoenix police officer, did 25 years in Phoenix Police Department, spent much of the time working undercover investigating sex trafficking and bringing charges against sex traffickers, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment. And she still investigates for another agency, sex traffickers, and brings charges against the offenders. She also trains law enforcement across the country how to do this. Her website to get more information is a chanceforawareness.com. Heidi, one of my biggest problems, and with all phases of law enforcement, of policing, is Hollywood and the way they portray police, the way they portray corrections officers, all that stuff. But one of my biggest, biggest points of contention is the way they portray pimps. And uh, from the old TV series in the 70s to different movies, they portray them as often uh, misunderstood. They're just trying to get ahead. They're trying to make ends meet. Uh, And quite often, in my opinion, they portray the victims as somehow manipulating them. And I'm just going to ask you point blank. Is that has that been your experience? Well, traffickers, um, you know, they definitely spend a lot of time manipulating their victims. So it's the other way around for sure. Um, But there is, unfortunately, by Hollywood, this glamification of pimp my ride, pimp my house and making it it seem like a a glamorous lifestyle to live. Um, And it's really not that at all. Um, it's 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 really unfortunate that the media is perpetrating this incorrect message. Um, traffickers, I have never met one that um, you know, <clears throat> in my eyes, had remorse for what they did for any victims, even after going through trial. I mean, I've been in trial with a trafficker where, even during trial, they were actively trying to get others to intimidate the witness and get them to not testify and scare them and all those things. So. It's definitely, they're, they're truly evil people, and um, they deserve every day that they get in prison. And it's not glamorous at all, is it? No, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate thing that young people see what's being portrayed on social media and in the media and on TV, that it's fast money and travel and expensive clothing and you know, all these things that pimps also try to portray that as the lifestyle for a victim. And unfortunately, they fall into believing that hype. And it is not at all that. Um, Certainly, there is a lot of money, but I have not met too many traffickers that actually hold on to that money. They blow through it really fast. They spend it on drugs and partying and, you know, limo rides. And I've, you know, gone after assets trying to really get them as far as financially money laundering, illegal enterprise. And there isn't a lot of money. Um, So it is, you know, a a very, very huge misconception that this is a a glamorous lifestyle. We had a prosecutor on the Law Enforcement Show quite a while ago from uh, Atlantic County, New Jersey, and she specialized in sex trafficking prosecutions. And uh, it's a fascinating conversation. And one of the things that she talked about quite a bit And by the way, we also had a couple who went undercover in Thailand 
an American couple that was there doing missionary work, going after sex traffickers, going after brothels, and and people giving up their children, thinking that it was going to be a better financial way of life, and it wasn't. Uh, so there's some fascinating conversation with, with people who really have dedicated their lives to this. But going back to the Atlantic County prosecutor one, one of the cases she talked about was the case of, of runaways uh, and young teenagers, 14, 15 years of age, and how quickly they were preyed upon by traffickers. Have you experienced that? Yeah, and I don't know how they do this, but when there's kids on social media that are complaining about their parents or, you know, hating going to school or complaining in some way, traffickers are able to find them. And I only know this because I myself as an undercover have six Facebooks, three Instagrams, Tag, Meet Me, Bumble, Plenty of Fish, Twitter, Snapchat, all in undercover personas. And I've conversed with traffickers trying to recruit me, thinking that they're talking to someone else. And for whatever reason, it's a really simple thing to just complain about whatever on social media publicly, and they find it. Um, and they seek out those individuals, and especially young people. Um, it, it's, it's a means, especially if their profiles are open, uh, for basically trafficking to happen from the kid's bedroom. And that that frightens me. To be totally honest, Heidi, when I was a kid, Granted, that was a long time ago, and even to my early 20s, 30s, and, and 40s, the online thing was not an issue. Uh, it was the runaway at the bus station. It was the runaway at the train station. It was the typical scenario, oh, by the way, let me get you something to eat, blah, 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 and next thing you know, they're being pimped by this so-called sex trafficker. Now we've got people recruiting them actively and grooming them online. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, for example, I have my undercover personas, and one in particular, this trafficker, um, we only talked for a week before I got my charges and was able to charge him. But in that week's time, I subpoenaed our Facebook messages, and I saw that he basically copied and pasted the message he sent to me to 91 other profiles, and all of them were female. So he's just, and all of them, you know, were all across the United States. So it wasn't just the state that he was in. So the internet and the social media kind of opens the door for them to just throw out all the fishing lines and see who takes the bait. And unfortunately, young people are falling into that. And they seem to be really, well, when someone lives uh, in uh, a criminal lifestyle, especially one that is, in many people's opinion, and mine included, sexually deviant lifestyle, they learn how to become better at what they do. You said he copied and pasted, so I'm sure it was the same routine over and over again, but it's one that was tried and true in practice for this this person. Yeah, and, and one thing to mention here is this is a person, this criminal person, is someone that doesn't have a regular job. Their job all day long is to seek out victims and manage and manipulate the ones that they are already controlling. So they're actively doing it every day. You know, I never thought of this, I, and I, I'm, I'm not naive. I, I'm aware of children with uh, the child pornographers and sexual predators online, where we had to worry about the old man, hey, look, help me find my kitten, whatever it was, that type deal. Uh, now people are being recruited and groomed right in their houses. And I, I got the part. I understand the part about the, the children in gaming. I get that. What I never thought about was the ones, and by the way, I'm that parent 
when my daughters were younger that you could easily complain about because I was very, I'm not going to say controlling, but I was very involved, and their mother is too, uh, with the way they're raised, and it's so easy to complain about that parent online. Are, are these people finding yeah. some sort of hashtags or something where they, they, they cue in on these potential victims? I don't think it's hashtags. I think it's just like they literally have all the time in the world to sit there and look at people who comment on certain people's comments and then see who their friends are and then if they like their profile picture and start engaging with them. Um, I had one pimp who literally, the his friend, another pimp, reached out to me and said, hey, friend request this pimp because he's in Facebook jail right now. And you know, the reason why he was in Facebook jail is because he reached out to too many people he doesn't know and tried to private message them. And Facebook picked up on that and put him in whatever timeout. So <clears throat> that's how we even started engaging our conversation. And he was a pimp from Florida that literally sent me a bus ticket to get to Florida to come work for him as his prostitute. Uh, I, went and got him in Florida and extradited him to Arizona and charged him with a felony. But I'm, I'm glad and you that's did. just yeah. <laughs> I, my, look, and my I'm hat's off to you. We're talking with yeah. Heidi Chance. She's a retired Phoenix police officer, worked many years undercover investigating sex trafficking. She still does that for another law enforcement agency, and she trains law enforcement agencies across the United States how to do these types of investigations. Her website's achanceforawareness.com. When we return, we're going to talk about some of the warning signs everyone should be aware of. This is the Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Has this ever happened to you? You sign up for a free email newsletter, and within hours, you're receiving tons of spam. That won't happen when you subscribe for the free Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. My name is John J. Wiley. We are talking with Heidi Chance. Heidi is a retired Phoenix police officer, and she spent many years investigating undercover sex traffickers, and she still does that for another law enforcement agency, plus others more. She trains law enforcement agencies across the United States how to conduct these investigations. More information that everyone should check out, her website, achanceforawareness.com. Some of the things as a parent, as a, I'm not a grandparent yet, but parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, the, the guy next door, we should all be aware of some of the, the warning signs that this is an issue and it's happening in your neighborhood because we know it happens everywhere. And it happens in really nice neighborhoods too. And people think, oh, I live in a great neighborhood. This shouldn't happen. Crime happens there as well, especially when you said they're recruiting people right online. And before we go into this, the question I have is, I, I worked in Baltimore for many years. And, and when I was promoted sergeant, my district was changed to the area in central where we had what's called the block uh, was adult entertainment or so-called nightclubs, gentlemen's nightclubs. And we had uh, an exotic dancing circuit where we had young ladies coming from Minnesota, Indianapolis, Michigan, Illinois coming down here. And 
they were being sold a bill of goods that this is some sort of exotic lifestyle. And it was not. Most of them were highly addicted to drugs. Most of them started very young. And almost all of them were broke. And it was nothing but a horror story after horror story. And yet, that's still going on today in areas like the block, not just in Baltimore, but all across the United States. It still happens. Yeah, and definitely um, strip clubs, bookstores, massage parlors, all of those are other areas where trafficking is happening, for sure. But for the the sake of our conversation, that's not the warning signs that we all need to be aware of. What are some of the things that people should be looking out for as a parent, as a grandparent, aunt, uncle, concerned neighbor? What are some of the things we should be aware of? So definitely when it's a change in behavior, when you have someone um, dressing more provocatively than they were before or making references to sexual situations in person or on social media, um, if you have a kid that's got unexplained absences or shows up with money or gifts, um, we've all been around long enough to know that no one gives us anything in ex- you know, without expecting something in return. And so questions should be asked, like, where did this gift come from? Where did this money come from? Um, especially if it's a 14-year-old with no job. Um, hotel keys, if they show up with an extra phone, even if it's a phone that's all busted up, the screen's all busted, if that phone can get on the Internet, on a Wi-Fi then they can converse with and be recruited and and converse with traffickers and and sex buyers and predators. Um, I even had a case where an officer's daughter was able to get on. He had taken her phone away, and she was able to use an iPod to get on to the Internet on an Instagram and was conversing with men who were trying to talk to her about um, sending images of herself to to them. So definitely – those kind of things. And then um, in the trafficking world, it's called branding, but there's traffickers that will put their tattoo on their victims. So if you see three people with the same or similar tattoos, that's, you know, a red flag. That's something to, you know, pay attention to those people. Um, As far as law enforcement and officers responding to calls, um, you know, just because the dispatcher called it a loud noise complaint at the hotel doesn't mean that it couldn't be you're walking into a hotel with a trafficker and a couple of victims. Um, you know, making observations, looking around the room, if you see condom wrappers, if you see a computer open to a, a website, um, you know, with escort services advertised, those kind of things. Um, you know, definitely there are indicators. I actually have on my website a resource list of these that I mentioned and more, my sex trafficking indicators list. And then I have a separate principle for um, tips for parents and tips for teens as far as prevention of sex trafficking and, you know, real discussions that parents should be having with their kids. Yeah, I didn't. I never had to have that kind of conversation with my daughters that I can remember. Look, the birds and the bees was difficult enough. And thank goodness for their mother. She handled that part of it. Uh, A lot of this... I got to, it sounds corny to say, a lot of this is very gross. Uh, and it's not being portrayed that way. These youngsters are being sold a bill of goods that, oh, it's a lifestyle and rich and famous, and it's not. Yeah, and I haven't even talked about sexually transmitted disease and all the risks that, you know, these victims are placed in as far as truly life-altering diseases that they could pick up 
from this activity. So it's definitely not glamorized or a glamorous lifestyle that's being portrayed. It's, it's really dangerous. A lot of people say the police work is a thankless job. I, I would think that you would take a tremendous amount of self-satisfaction for what you've done. And hopefully you got some thank yous from the family members of victims along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I still have contact with some of my victims, um, you know, through Facebook and, and, you know, keep tabs on them and message them every now and again. Absolutely. Well, this sounds, Heidi, like this has become a major passion for you because you're still doing this line of work. Even after retiring from police work, you're still doing this and you're also training law enforcement agencies. What drives you to do this? So I really feel that we can make an impact on this problem if we have awareness. Um, I feel personally that juries need to be informed about sex trafficking. I I have testified in court before and had to impress upon juries as an expert witness that, you know, this is a situation where it might be a person freely walking down the side of the road with a phone in their hand, but they're not free to leave. It isn't, you know, that they're locked in a room somewhere or handcuffed to a bed, but they're really not free to leave. And all the circumstances surrounding why they're not free to leave, it's kind of hard for especially juries to wrap their head around. And so the more awareness that we can do that's impacting the more individuals who might potentially be jurors, which would impact more results uh, in a positive way toward um, convicting traffickers. And so that's ultimately my goal as far as awareness of the community and why I created my own website and my own awareness course and all the resources that I offer and then on the flip side of that, as far as training law enforcement, I really have a passion for passing the torch. Um, I had a wonderful experience in my career, and I've made an impact, very, very big impact. And I want more female officers especially to, you know, take up the torch and be those undercovers and get as many traffickers as they can and sex buyers so that we can absolutely cause that fear that you're going to get caught and uh, impact this problem. And my hat's off to everybody that does that. It, it, look, not everybody's cut out for that. Uh, but the ones who are, I think they should really explore because it is a chance to do tremendous good. And you made a great point. Just because someone is not physically I- incarcerated doesn't mean they're not, they're not unable to leave. I was thinking about a case that just happened uh, where a, a young girl, I believe she was 15, went missing from her home in... Texas and was found locked in an outbuilding in North Carolina by a guy she met online. That should horrify yeah. everybody. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a familiar story that I've heard time and time again with victims, especially juveniles. Um, I don't know what his intention was. I'm not familiar with all the ins and outs of that story, but definitely all of the things we've been discussing here are part of that. Meeting this person online, luring them away from home going with this person and then being trapped. What's the, the one piece of advice you would give to parents when it comes to their, their underage children to keep them safe? So parents need to come back into being involved with their kids. And it's like you had said, you were strict in a sense. And it isn't even being strict. It's a lived expectation of growing up that my parents are going to instill these rules and if I violate these rules I'll have consequences and those rules 
are simple. You don't talk to strangers on the phone. I'm going to know the password to your social media. You're not going to lie to me about things. All of those things should be like a lived, growing up, known expectation that parents instill in their kids. And I'm not sure where we went away with that, but we definitely did. We certainly and did. And we need to go back. Yeah, what is your back. What is your website and any social media presence you want to promote? Yeah, so I am a, <clears throat> the website is a achanceforawareness.com, and that's where I have my course, and I've named it The Power of Awareness because I have witnessed over the years, I mean, I did almost 14 years of working this problem specifically. When I first started, traffickers getting, you know, barely any years in prison to when I left, hundreds of years, and so that evolution of everyone's awareness is why I call it the power of awareness. But that's a course that anyone can take. Um, there's eight modules. It'll take you about two and a half hours. And, and I really put a lot of, um, you know, my personal stories, my personal investigations in that as examples as I illustrate the point. And that is a um, chance for awareness.com and people can reach out to you there as well. Heidi, thanks so much for your service and thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.